Angel King. everyone how are you it is wednesday and you are tuned in to selling sacramento you're listening to 97.5 fm kdee i am agent key and today we're going to talk about 2022 yes it is possible to lightweight predict the future if you have some facts in front of you especially as it pertains to real estate so that we can see where we're headed a lot of people have a lot of questions as to whether or not they should sell, whether or not they should buy, what are interest rates getting ready to do? Is the market really going to crash? And if so, when? So many questions like these and more. And we're going to dive into the facts that help us understand how to answer those questions. So I'm going to present some facts to you on today's show. We'll be laying out the facts and letting you draw your own conclusion. I might, I might point a little conclusion to you, but we know, you know, 2019 and 2020 and 2021 has taught us that just because something seems normal doesn't mean it's going to stay normal. So as I lay the facts out to you, know that this is all assuming something crazy doesn't happen. Yeah, something radical doesn't, you know, COVID part three, God forbid, you know. So I want to start first by giving you all background. If you've listened to my show for any length of time, you may have heard me say this, but I like to set the foundation so that you understand where this is coming from. Uh, as some people would like to say, I want to give you a window to see through. In 2008, when the market crashed, what, I, what I'm trying to do right here is frame why the market is not going to crash. The market is not set up right now to crash. And here's why. In order for the market to crash, that would mean that supply far outweighed demand. There is no influx of buyers trying to get properties because people are running away from properties and properties are people are going into foreclosure. Does that sound familiar? Sounds a little bit like 2008, 2009, right? So remember these three key things that happened in 2008 and 2009 that are not here today. Here are the key three things. Number one, do you all remember the loan types that were out there? There were pick-a-pay loans, there were um, just very subprime loans, loans that were targeting the most vulnerable buyers. Loans that were, there were straw man loans where 
you could be working at Taco Bell, making what was back then minimum wage, four or five dollars an hour. And you could get a loan to purchase a three or four hundred thousand dollar home. Now, on paper, that makes absolutely no sense. But that was was actually happening back then in 2008, 2009. Fast forward to today. That is not happening. <laughs> if you qualify for a loan as a result of what happened with the fallout, the feds have tightened up mortgage regulations and guidelines just to the T. They will use a mortgage company in a minute as a poster child. If you go left and you cause someone to get into a subprime loan, there are so many uh, uh, what safeguards, safety nets that are now set up to protect people from getting bad loans. As a matter of fact, if you've purchased a home in the past several years, you had to sign what was called a, you, you received two documents during your loan process. One was called the uh, estimated net sheet and the other was called the CD, closing disclosure. And actually, the first one is called an LE, loan estimate. And the second one, before you closed escrow, is called the CD, and that's a closing disclosure. If you put those two documents side by side, they literally, you could put them one right on top of the other. You know how you hold paper up to the window and you see the transparency? They'd say absolutely the same thing. The only difference would be the big LE and the CD. And the purpose for that is so that you can very clearly see the document states what your mortgage payment is going to be, all of the fees that you would be charged, and in very layman's terms, very black and white. And if those numbers changed by the time you got ready to close escrow, which is about two or three days away from that, when you receive that document, probably five, because it takes three days, they give you three days to cool off review it before you push, give the go ahead to close escrow. If those numbers change, you have a right right then and there to tell your agent and your lender, I'm not signing this. If something doesn't look right, if it doesn't feel right, if it's not what they said it was going to be, if your interest rate changed, you can stop everything. And your agent should be telling you this. When you get that CD, there's a three-day wait period to give you the opportunity to check that document and make sure everything is the same way that it was told to you when you started the process. So the loan estimate and the closing estimate are just one of several different safeguards that the finance industry has placed around real estate transactions as a result of what happened with the real estate fallout. Why am I sharing that? If you look at what happened with the fallout as it pertains to loans, that is not what things look like today. If you get approved for a loan, you are really approved. All the way up until escrow closes, they are asking you for documents. And it might seem painstaking and frustrating and, oh my God, my lender just keeps asking me for so many things. But that's to protect you. All the way until escrow closes, they will they will do 
and employee verification the day before escrow closes. They will check your credit score the day before escrow closes. I've heard some horror stories about people's transactions falling out where buyers have made the mistake of opening a line of credit before escrow closed, thinking that they were preparing for their home. You know, you're, you're just walking through Home Depot. You're excited because escrow is going to close. So you go and open that Home Depot card. And then you get to the signing table. And then you get a phone call from your lender because they ran your credit. And you didn't realize that opening that line of credit just changed your credit scores and what you pre-approved for, you now no longer pre-approved for because you've increased your debt to income ratio and your transaction now falls out. So you got to be careful about things like that because they're checking because it's a safeguard. So that is one of the main reasons we are not going to see the kind of fallout that we saw before. We have two more reasons. I'm going to give you one more before we go to break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into the predictions for next year. The other reason is the obvious. Actually, I'm going to save that one for when we come back from the break. I'll give you this the third reason. The third reason is because a lot of the individuals who bought homes back in 2000, uh, before the fallout, when they were buying property here in Sacramento, a lot of those people were in, well, I shouldn't say a lot of those buyers. Buyers bought investment property and a lot of it. How about that? There, there were stories of, um, I remember one investor was in the newspaper from Japan and he literally owned thousands of homes right here in Sacramento. And was it Japan? Maybe I should just say, maybe it was, it was China. It was China. It was a Chinese investor. He owned thousands of properties right here in Sacramento County. He didn't live in any of them, renting them out. Y'all remember what that looked like if you were driving through any neighborhood in Sacramento, it seemed like there was a foreclosed property literally on every block, at least one. So when the market fell, before the market fell or a reason that was a cause of the market was because prices were beginning to drop. And if you're an investor and you see your investments falling, what do you do? You sell. So if, if I am that Chinese investor with thousands of homes preparing to lose all of the, the um, equity that I gained on my investment, I'm going to sell ASAP. And that's exactly what he and many other property owners did. The market began to fall because the prices dropped because the buyers, the, the fallout, the, the writing was on the wall. The loans were horrible. And inventory was just shooting out. Y'all remember that Lucille Ball episode where she's working in the chocolate factory and uh, I Love Lucy? She and Ethel are working in the chocolate factory in the conveyor belt. And they finally get the hang 
of how to put the little chocolates into the paper, wrap them up and get them down the conveyor belt. Then all of a sudden they just start coming faster and faster and she starts eating them and popping them down in her shirt and just, you know, because they're coming too fast for them to handle. That was the market back in 2004 and five and six. Properties were popping up all over the place. Not enough buyers. There weren't owner-occupied folks trying to buy all these houses anyway. They were investors and flippers trying to make money. And they were coming from the Bay and they were coming from out of the country and they were coming from different areas. So those were two main reasons. We don't see that today. Y'all know the people from the Bay Area, they are coming to take over. They're coming here to live and they have brought their six-digit incomes, six-figure incomes, plus with them. They are coming to settle down and live here in Sacramento. It's not one investor from the Bay buying a thousand properties. It's a thousand buyers from the Bay coming buying a thousand homes and they're staying. So two reasons why we are not going to experience the fallout the way that we did back in 2008. I've got one more reason for you when we come back from the break. You're listening to 97.5 FM KDEE. I'm Agent Key, and we'll be right back. Agent Key. Oh, we're coming back. Hey, everyone. We are back from the break. You're listening to 97.5 FM KDEE. I'm Agent Key. And today we are talking about market predictions 2022. Before we went on break, I gave you two reasons. And there is a third. Two, three instances that happened in 2008 when the market fell that are not happening right now. The first was that there were horrible loans. The second is that the people who were buying the houses were investors and they were buying thousands of houses that they were not living in. And so because those horrible loans started failing, you know, folks started going to jail and the government started getting involved and businesses started shutting down. Big banks like Remember uh, Countrywide mm -hmm. disappeared. And so when buyers couldn't buy anymore, all the inventory kept popping out. Investors were saw the prices going down and they pulled their investments out. So all of those houses that were owned by investors that were being rented out, they pulled and they sold. And the third reason I kind of hinted at it when I gave you all the analogy about Lucille Ball inventory. The inventory was non-stop. I mean, you could pass by an empty field literally one month, and then the next month, there's an entire neighborhood. Literally. That's how fast they were being built. And y'all remember, the builders were giving away you could get a refrigerator, microwave, and a set of appliances, you know, washer and dryer with your house because they were they were giving away free landscape you try to get a refrigerator now with a house 
you don't you better not ask for anything <laughs> when you buy a new home construction because they'll be like wait we don't need you you need us and if you ask for anything we will just move you to the bottom of the list i don't know that they'll literally do that but you definitely are not in a position to ask for anything so inventory we all feel the squeeze of the inventory right now back when the market fell in 2008 inventory was coming out of our ears so you combine those three points bad loans investor buyers and a tremendous amount of inventory and you get a market that was doomed to fail and there were many people in the industry who already knew that that was going to happen many many people and so you fast forward to today the inventory not only is it not there the inventory wasn't there three years ago can we just start there three years ago i remember doing videos telling people that actually five years ago i did a video about del paso heights rosemont valley high florin i said these neighborhoods are turning over and why what was happening when the market fell those houses in those neighborhoods turned into foreclosures and banks or, or organizations like Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae, when they gave those properties back to real estate agents to put them back on the market, they put them under, under programs like first look programs for owner occupied only for the first 30 days. They made hundreds of thousands of those properties available only first to buyers who were going to owner occupy. What are you trying to get at, Keisha? Remember those neighborhoods that once had a lot of renters in them because of the investors that came in? Now, that demographic is changing from renters to buyers in these neighborhoods. So there was that phase, that window that allowed for those neighborhoods to gain more buyers, more owner-occupied buyers. And then fast forward to the past five years, uh, there was another reason that those neighborhoods increased in owner-occupied buyers. Anybody tell me what it is? If you're watching, put it in the chat if you, can, if you know why those neighborhoods turned over. I'm going to tell you anyway, <laughs> I'm going to tell you in five seconds because they're the most affordable and Sacramento's income isn't changing, right? Anybody get a 10, 20% increase in pay over the past five years? If our incomes are not going up, but the price of housing is, we have to buy what we can afford. 
Well, why is the price of housing going up, Keisha? You already know. Look to your left, the Bay Area. The Bay Area. Why are they coming here? Number one, because their prices are going through the roof. But number two, Sacramento is no longer that cow town that we once used to be. And I, and I like to tell people, we, sometimes we are too close to see what's going on. You, you can't see the whole forest because you are a tree. <laughs> you're living in your own little community, your own little neighborhood, and you're not looking outside. You're not exploring Sacramento to see how it's changing. Sacramento didn't grow up. I'm gonna read some comments from the chat on Facebook. Larry Chu says, I'm exactly one of those San Francisco Bay Area homeowners you were talking about, looking in Sacramento somewhere along the riverfront area. See, and why Larry? Because you're not trying to pay a million dollars for an 1100 square foot, three bed, two bath home in the Bay, I'm sure. But you can say it, you know, let me know. What, what it is that you could qualify for in the Bay and what you can qualify for here in Sacramento are hugely different. Larry says, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, so, so thank you, Bart. <laughs> so here we are, here we are. These are the facts, we're, we're, just, we're just looking at the facts. Our, our city, Sacramento, you may go somewhere else and, and try to compare Sacramento to Atlanta, Dallas, even San Francisco. We are not a major metropolitan area, but we also are not a sleepy cow town anymore. Sacramento, whether you think that this is an honor, a distinguished honor or not, to be called the farm to fork capital of the world. Maybe five years ago didn't mean a whole lot to you. But now that we are living in a day and age where corporations, we see vegan corporations hitting this, you know, on the stock market, you can buy into a vegan company. You can buy into companies that are focused and centered on health and wellness. Health and wellness is a huge factor more now more than it ever has been in my lifetime. And so when you've got cities like Sacramento setting the standard for what that looks like, Dig into that, pull back the layers on that so that you can understand exactly what that means. Not only that, but Sacramento is focused on building green, minimizing our carbon footprint, making sure that as we build developments, we build services around them so they're not just uh, neighborhoods and, and communities where you just live but neighborhoods and communities where you can live, work, and play right within, you know, 10 miles. They are intentionally working to make that happen as they design 
different areas and develop different areas around around our city. Have you been over to the rail yards area yet? Go over there and see. The houses aren't even there yet. And it's just so beautiful. If you if you walk around over there, first of all, it, they're making it walkable. Go downtown to West Sacramento. If you haven't yet been to Drake's Barn, Drake's Barnyard, Drake's Barn, something like that. Oh my gosh, you need to go. First of all, it's really cool. The food is very, very good. The atmosphere is very nice. But you'll also see what is happening with the development. West Sacramento is, is on a whole different vibe, y'all. <laughs> West Sacramento is, as they say, a vibe all by itself. So you might want to travel over to West Sac and see if you vibing with it. It's right off the waterfront. And so they're developing those areas again so that the carbon footprint is decreased. What does that mean? That you're not driving a lot, that you can walk and you can get exercise, you can bike, electric vehicle, you can get places faster. The roads are, are um, not as impacted trying to make the environment healthier, the air quality healthier. Sacramento is on the path to doing that. And so to be called the farm to fork capital of the world, to be so focused on, on things like STEM, green energy, we've got major corporations here and coming and they're bringing they're looking for major talent, talented people. Another fact that we want to put on the table, Centene, Centene, the big Fortune 500 um, insurance company in Natomas. They started building their campus several years ago. It is now up. You can't help but see it as you're passing Arena Boulevard off the freeway. It's there. And so they. I remember seeing a story about them when they were planning on coming or preparing to build where they were looking to hire. And they said that the average salary, the average annual salary is going to be around $80,000, $80,000 average. So these are jobs. And then they're hiring hundreds and hundreds of people, if not thousands. So these are well above livable wage opportunities, employment opportunities. These are, these are opportunities where you're going to have some discretionary income. You're going to be able to buy a home because I and J. King, we did the calculations last week. If you want to buy a $400,000 home in Sacramento, you've got to be making $80,000 a year. That's like $27 an hour. If you are not making $27 an hour or up in the $20 an hour mark, a $400,000 house might be out of the question for you. So then you have to look at something less than that. The median sales price in Sacramento last month. No, what month are we in? We're in October, September. Median sales price in September in Sacramento was $510,000. 
in August, it was $515,000. So it dropped. When the numbers come out again, we'll be probably in about in another 15, 20 days. If that number decreases again, then there's a trend that is occurring. And we've said it before on here, the market is starting to flatten out. So now let's talk about 2022. That's a good segue into 2022. If the market is starting to flatten out, y'all tune in and let me, let me tell you exactly what day that's going to be when we'll get those numbers. November 3rd, November 10th. The show on November 17th, on November 17th show, I will have stats for you from October that will tell us if we see, if we can really say that we are seeing a trend of the market starting to decline. And I like to use the term flatten out instead of decline because it's really kind of just settling back into where it should be. When, when the market reaches its height as it has and it's starting to sell, it's only because sellers are still overpricing their homes or sellers are overpricing their homes. And mentally, they just need to get into the mindset that they can't, you know, it's gone as far buyers have taken all they're going to take and they can't take no more. So that's what that means. So it doesn't just because we see the prices going down does not mean that we're going to see the market fall. It just means it's bounced up as high as it's going to go. And now it's settling back down into something a little more comfortable where buyers are like, I'm good right there. You know, so so when we saw it at its height and when we saw it at 515, buyers were like, no. <laughs> and now, you know, over these next couple of months, we're going to see it settle into something a little more comfortable where buyers are more comfortable. Stephen is asking online, Mr. Tolls, how are you, sir? Will the numbers go back up in the spring? That, so, okay, that is an excellent question. It depends. It depends because in the spring, typically we do see the market kind of jump up a little bit, right? Because people get excited. It's springtime, summer's on its way. Uh, kids are getting ready to get out of school. It's the perfect time to sell and buy. Numbers usually go up because demand goes up, right? However, we are in a time where not only is inventory sketch, but whether or not we can even be outside is sketch. You know, um, politics are in the air. I that so I'll say on that it depends. If it goes up, it would probably be ever so slightly. And that was actually a point that I wanted to make. So I thank you, Stephen, for bringing that up. That in 2022, 
my prediction is that prices will just continue to be flat for a while. So wherever they settle, and and when when that settling occurs, I can't call it. But wherever they settle, they'll probably hover there for a while because we're we're not going to see an influx of inventory. It's going to take another three to five years. Inventory is coming. And I have some stories on that to share with you all that where some stuff is happening. But it's going to it takes a while to build a development to be moving ready. It takes a while for things to get through the planning stages, through, you know, um, the count at the county level before they can even break ground. So we're probably another three to five years before we actually see enough inventory hit the market that's going to make a difference that we can actually feel, right? This Chantille says, great information. Thanks for sharing. You are very welcome. You are so welcome. And with that, I do want to share where some new housing is getting ready to come from. Let me put my spectacles on. So recently, the Sacramento Bee reported, and I think I also saw this in the Sacramento Business Journal, but I'm, I'm reading this from the Sacramento Bee, and it was a story that went out October 25th, just two days ago. It says, developer planning to build 147 single-family homes at this North Sacramento site. A developer has filled, I'm sorry, a developer has filed plans with the city of Sacramento to build a large housing development in North Sacramento. The project would be built on a vacant 30-acre lot at Rio Linda Boulevard and Main Avenue. Interesting, right? Just north of Futures High School, the Denver-based True Life Companies plans to construct 147 single-family detached homes that would be for sale in 2023. The houses will be market rate, but attainable, so they say. Ready for the cost? Likely costing between $500,000 and $600,000. And it says, though that could change based on the market. Okay, now I want to just stop right there because where did I say these houses was going to be built? Del Paso Heights. <laughs> DPH. Do you do y'all hear the price? Where is the least expensive land? Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not rocket science. The least expensive land is where the least expensive properties are, the most affordable properties. Del Paso Heights, Oak Park, parts of Oak Park, Florin, Valley High, for now, you know, Mac Road, Elder Creek, Capitol Village area, those neighborhoods. Franklin Boulevard, Franklin. These are areas where land is most affordable right now. Properties are most affordable. You're going to see builders like this buying up land 
and putting in 500. Now that takes us to another part. I just said earlier, how much money do you need to be making a month? I'm sorry, a, a, an hour to afford a $400,000 home, $27 an hour. Now they're going to come build houses in Del Paso Heights. That's one of the last most affordable areas to live in. And they're going to price them at five to $600,000 prices. Look, I can't even get it out <laughs> fast enough. The word, I'm tripping over my words. Y'all know what I'm about to say next. Who's going to be buying those homes? We are going to be pushed out of our own neighborhoods if we don't do something about it. Yes, I just transitioned to a whole nother show, but you know, the elephant was in the room, so I had to address him. Okay. So yeah, there's that. Let me say hi to some folks that are watching y'all. AK, my big brother. Hey. Hey, honey. Chantel, yes, the devil is a liar. If, if it goes out again, y'all hold on. I'm going to do something to get you back online. Miss Tia Pope, 27. What was 27 for? Remind me. You said 27. Oh, $27 an hour. Yes, yes. $27 an hour. That's right. Yes. <laughs> Just like some portions of West Oakland. Is that right? Yeah. Well, you know what? You're right. Yes. They're coming in and taking over. Glenn, hey, sir, how do you stop 5,000 homes being built in Del Paso Heights? You can't. Once somebody buys the land, they can do with it, with it what they want. Right? What, what, what should be done? I don't know if I want to use the showtime to talk about that, Glenn, but that definitely you you Glenn didn't ask that question. I just asked myself that question based on Glenn asking, how do you stop 5000 homes from being built in Del Paso Heights? What can you do about overpriced homes being built in neighborhoods that are more affordable for people who are not making high incomes, who don't have high incomes? I think that might need to be the question. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Andre Smith. Great show. Thank you, sir. Thank you for tuning in. Glenn, I'm going to make that another show because you're absolutely right. Um, I do have some answers for that. Okay. Now I, now I got to refocus. Glenn, stop. <laughs> Chantel, about time this apartment for rent. Yeah. And so that's the other part. Rents are through the roof. Rents are now officially more than mortgages. More than mortgages. At one point last year and the year before last, we were saying rents were equivalent. Now they are more. And not only are they more, you are not getting as much apartment for the rent that you're having to pay. Tia says, I think about purchasing land, but not sure how affordable it is to build the property. That is an excellent question as well. It's going to be very expensive because right now, construction materials are still expensive. The individuals who build the homes, the labor workforce is not there as much. And so 
these new home construction sites actually have, they, they're sharing the same labor. I'm hearing stories where builders, electricians, you know, houses are built in phases. So maybe the electrical is staged for next week. If another builder wants that electric crew and they pay them more money, guess what? They just left your house that was supposed to get electrical next week because now they're over at another job site because that builder is going to pay them more because the workforce force is so scarce. That's what's that's another piece that's causing a delay in home construction. Right. So. Again, we go back to is the market going to fall? There is still a demand for housing and all of the reasons that houses are not being built fast enough. They're, they're, those reasons are not getting relief fast enough. We're not getting workers in the workforce fast enough that the red tape isn't being relinquished fast enough. You know, the, the materials, the cost of materials. I don't know if you all saw this story not long ago about barges being uh, supplies and materials and things being uh, left in barges for weeks and weeks and weeks overseas. There, there was a story where I saw all of these bar hundreds of barges all on top of each other with materials and uh, what's the company uh, where Amazon's, you know, all your orders from Amazon was backlogged and all of these barges sitting, you know, off the shore somewhere in these other countries because they couldn't get them over here. The same thing with building and construction materials, right? Angela says, what can you do? Okay, we'll wait. Oh, she's talking about, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, we're going to talk about that in another show. Miss Shirley, you are correct, even in Vegas. Yeah. Chantil said, yes, I rent a two-bed, two-bath apartment for $1,300, and that's just rent only, right? And depending on where it is, that number can change. It can, it can be even higher. It's just ridiculous. And so it puts the average person who was making, you know, $14, $15 an hour, maybe, you know, five years ago, where that type of salary, even $17 an hour a few years ago would have seemed pretty decent, right? But here we are now, just a few years later, and if you've not received an increase, and then it, it's like a vicious cycle, because in order for you to receive an increase on your job, your employer needs to be doing well in order to give you that increase. And for most businesses, if they're small businesses, they're not in the position to do that, especially when something like COVID comes along and wipes you out. The larger companies where their, their CEOs and owners are raking in millions, yeah, they can do it all day long. And they should. And maybe if they did, there might be some kind of trickle-down effect. I don't know. I'm not an economist. I'm not going to touch that. But I do know that COVID definitely has pushed a lot of people into an entrepreneurial spirit. And when you start doing your own thing, creating your own business, that can reap rewards for you that can then increase your income. I'm going to leave that right there. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about some more predictions, a couple more predictions before the show ends. 
for 2022. If you are a buyer, should you buy? If you are a seller, should you sell? And if so, when? That for you, when we come back from the break, you're listening to 97.5 FM KDEE. I'm Agent Key, and we'll be right back. Agent Key. Hey everyone, we're back. You're listening to 97.5 FM KDEE. I am Agent Key and we only have a few minutes left, but I do want to share one more tidbit of information about those properties that I said were uh, going to be built in the Del Paso Heights area between $500,000 dollars $600,000. I want to tell you when those are planning to come to fruition. So, I do encourage you to go and look for the article because there is more to the article. I don't want to make it seem like it's a negative thing. There's two sides to every story. You know, the, the houses are definitely needed. The homes are definitely needed. But we have to be we have to be concerned about displacing people. And economically, historically, Y'all know I have to say this. The way that America's economy is set up, it is to displace Black people. And so when you have a company like this that comes into an area like Del Paso Heights, it says it's right off of Rio Linda Boulevard and Main Avenue, you know, and they're they're able to build 147000 and price them out of range of the individuals who live in that area, who, by the way, are not just African-Americans. Borderline Rio Linda, uh, Del Paso Heights, Borderlines, Rio Linda. You've got some of every culture, every ethnicity over there. It's a very diverse area. And so when you have a company come in and price homes like that at a time like this, you know, that somebody is going to get displaced because it's 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 attaching a certain value now to that area. Okay, I'm running out of time. I got to tell y'all. So they're going to the developer plans to begin construction in 2023 and have the units available for sale by the end of 2023. They're planning construction in 2023 and start their first units will be available sale by the end of 2023. 2022 is just 3 months away, you guys. Two months away if you look into next week, if you fast forward to next week. So in one year, you're going to see those houses in Del Paso Heights start coming up. They're going to break ground. So Tiandris, my cousin T, says that's where she lives. They call the area Robla. Yeah, mm -hmm, it is. Larry, thank you. He says he learns more from, he thinks he learns more from the show when I go solo. <laughs> Thanks for the great information. You're very welcome. You're welcome. You are so welcome. So whether or not you should buy or sell as we move into 2022, I want you to, to pay attention to this. And I said it earlier. I, I don't know if I was on air when I said it or if it was during the break because someone asked the question. If it pencils out, pull the trigger. Real estate is and always will be the fastest way to building net your net wealth, to building personal wealth. 
If it pencils out, pull the trigger. If you qualify and if you can afford the payment, pull the trigger. If you own, do not be so quick to sell if you don't need to. If you can qualify to buy and lateral over and hold on to that property, keep it. Because what did we just say? Rents are now more expensive than mortgages. If you rent that home out, you are working on building your retirement plan. That house becomes your retirement plan. It pays for itself. You'll probably be making more in rent to cover not only whatever mortgage you were paying, but to put some more money in the bank. Save it. Make sure you reach out to a professional um, property management company to manage it for you. Don't skimp and try to do it yourself because you're not going to enjoy the headache or the heartache because you're dealing with people. It, it, if you hold on to it, it literally becomes a part of your retirement plan. It becomes a part of your assets. It's how you build wealth. Don't be so anxious to sell it if you can hold on to it when you if you if you want to buy again if you have to sell it to buy because you now when you start getting my age or older you may want to sell that puppy because that cost whatever you're going to make is going to more than cover the purchase of your next purchase so you have very little expenses as you get older you don't want your expenses to increase you want them to decrease so Talk to a financial planner before you pull that trigger. Talking to a financial planner costs you nothing if you're talking to the right person. If you, When you want them to start breaking down numbers for you and working on your stuff, that's when it's going to cost you. But to just have a general conversation with most, most financial planners, they should in general help you be able to paint a picture for what could be right for you. I am way past my time, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, as always. You're listening to 97.5 FM KDEE. Thank you for tuning in today. And remember, if you are doing what you were created to do, I will see you at the top.